Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's bow our heads together, if you would. Oh, Heavenly Father, how grateful we are tonight that you were willing to become one of us. Not just a man, but you stooped even lower than a man to become sin and die the death of a sinner that we could be redeemed. We want to say thank you tonight. Many of us have heard that story for decades of our lives. But I pray that it never grows common and it never grows old. Oh, Jesus, make it more real than it's ever been before. I thank you, my Father, for your great power of deliverance. We've come here together again tonight at your beckoning. You've invited us to come in, not to the outer court, not into the place where the menorah, the second realm, the bread, but you've invited us into the Shekinah glory. May we hear the veil as it drops behind us. May we hear the voice of God. Sense his presence. May we eat of that great hidden manna. May your word reveal itself in our hearts. May our hearts become, hallelujah, the great place that you can inhabit. Granted, Father. You see our needs, they are many. But yet, Father, your power is much greater than all of our needs. So we bring our desires, our requests, our petitions before your throne tonight. We lay them there and we ask you to meet them according to your riches and glory. Speak to us tonight, Father, from your very heart. We don't desire just to hear theology. We know theology is important. Doctrine is important. Those things are have always been important. But Father, speak to us from your heart. Speak from your heart to our heart. Have a heart-to-heart talk with us tonight, Lord. Grant it, I pray. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm in love with him from all your heart. Praise the Lord. God bless you. It's such an honor for us to be gathered together again tonight in the presence of the Lord. Let's read again St. John chapter 3, verse 19 through verses 21. <clears throat> we are eyewitnesses of a great prophetic time. Very few generations have ever been allowed to see the amount of prophecy that we have seen in our lifetime. Many of your mothers and fathers and your grandmothers and grandfathers, they would see maybe one or two, maybe if they were fortunate, get to see a half a dozen of great prophetic things in their life. You've seen more than that in the last month. It's happening all around us every day. We're, we're a blessed people. 
But we want to not only be able to recognize them, but ask God to help us to be able to live the fulfillment of what is given to us as our part. People are certainly getting into the Spirit, and we desire to get into His Spirit tonight. As I mentioned to you before a couple of weeks ago, whenever we read this, that probably one of the most famous scriptures in the Bible in the New Testament would be John 3.16. But the same Lord Jesus that said, verse 16, verse 17, and verse 18, also uttered these words. And this is the condemnation, that light is come, not has come, but light is come. The present tense of the word that Jesus spoke is that it's coming, so it's still ongoing. The light did not just come and then stop, but it's still coming. So this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. And men loved darkness rather than light. And this is the reason. Because their deeds were evil. Isn't it strange that he didn't say because their hearts were? I wonder why I would say their deeds were evil and not their heart. Now, he condenses his truth, of course, and he says, for everyone that doeth evil hateth light. So he's going beyond just works and deeds, and he's going to the source of why people do what they do. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. It's a, it's a favorite saying of mine, and I have said it probably thousands of times, and if I live and maintain my right mind, I'll probably continue to say it. It's quite simple. It is this, people are going to do what they want to do. I know it's not deep, it doesn't require great education to be able to understand it. Everybody in this building, everybody in the world lives by that same principle of the basic understanding that you're going to do what you want to do. Now, well, Lake Skew, no, it's not me, it's it. No, the bottom line is we are going to do, and whenever Carol and I will talk about that and we say it to each other, and then I, we was talking about it yesterday, actually, and I told her, she said, well, it's like you said, people's going to do what they're going to do. And I said, that's right. And if they are going to do what they want to do, then I'm going to do what I want to do. And I want to serve God. I want to live for him. I want to go to church. And when I get there, I don't want to sit there like a bump on a pickle. I'm going to be a lively stone in the house of the Lord. Why? Because that's what I want to do. And if people want to get out and get drunk, they're going to do that. If they want to live like the devil, they're going to do that. Well, I'm going to do what I want to do. 
And I want to live for Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be a fanatic about it. Sorry, for those of you that church membership satisfies you, that's not who I am. No, no. That's what you want to do. That don't suit my taste. Okay? I want to serve him with all of my heart. I want to give him everything that I am. God bless you. Let's, let's be seated. Take your seats now if you would. Let me read you this quote that we've read for a couple of services. I, I absolutely love it. Our spirits has been born from above. And in that land where we come from, uh-huh, where we come from, the nature and the habits of that land is holiness, cleanliness, godliness. And if the spirit of that land moves into us, then this land is strange to us. So this is what makes us do heavenly things, act in a heavenly way, talk with a heavenly language. And this world is very strange to us. Now, at one time it wasn't. We felt right at home in the hog pen of the world. Every person here, you felt right at home, drinking, running around, lying, whatever it was you done, you felt right at home, but not anymore. Because the spirit of the land where you came from. Now, you actually preceded the coming of that spirit in your soul. You actually got here before the indwelling presence came in you. You came as an attribute of God, inhabited a body of the earth. But one day, that portion of the spirit of God, which was to be yours, finally caught up with the deposit in your soul. And as long as the seed lay there, unquickened, you could still drink, lie, cheat, run around, do whatever. And yet, there's something in you that knew you shouldn't do it, but you didn't have the power to stop it. But once the spirit from that land got a hold of that seed and germatized the seed, it revolutionized your thinking. Then it gives you the power to be able to do what you couldn't do without it. Now he says, cause your soul and your spirit motivates you. It makes you what you are, and you'll never be able to join churches and get that out of you. You'll still be a church member and make fun of people who preach against such morals. So that brings in people that make fun of preachers preaching on holiness and righteousness and living right. And that also brings in the category of so-called message people who don't believe preachers ought to preach. Because most of them are actually in the same category, they're unbelievers. You see, anybody around this message that does not believe in preachers, first of all, does not believe the Bible, nor do they believe what Brother Branham said. I don't care who they are, what their first name is, their middle name, or their last name, they don't believe what he said. Well, that's right. First of all, they don't believe the Bible. 
Because the Lord Jesus said, go ye therefore and preach the gospel. So whoever don't believe in preachers don't believe the master himself. And Happy Valley said, Oh, but Brother Donnie, I've got an uncle. I don't care if you've got an uncle, a grandma, a third cousin, a 14th nephew. I don't care what you've got. If they believe the word, they believe all the word. They don't believe one fold of the ministry. They believe all five. And they don't believe Brother Branham fulfilled all five of them and they're all done. But they still believe God has pastors. And God has evangelists. And God has teachers. And God has, right? Because it is God's word. But you see, what happens is those who are not really representatives of that land, they will not have the ability to fully embrace it. But we're not just wanting to be, as we would call and say, message believers. A lot of folks say that. They're not a bit more saved than the devil is saved. Because they just, Brother Branham even said it this way, oh, you say, Brother Branham, I believe every word that you say. He said, that's just being able to read. So just because you say that does not mean you believe what he had to say. And the Lord Jesus is not coming just for people who say they believe every word Brother Ram said. But the Lord Jesus is coming for people that are actually Messiahs. Yeah, that's what they are. They are Messiahs. They are little anointed ones. Now, Abraham was actually renamed by God from the name Abram to Abraham. He's given a part of Elohim's name. And the prophet related it to us this way, that God was big Elohim, and Abraham had that little part of Elohim. So I'm big Elohim, and you're that little part. Well, the Lord Jesus was the great big. Messiah. But we who are anointed ones in the body of Christ are little Messiahs. We are anointed ones. Now don't let that choke you now because the world is getting under the influence of their captain. They're getting under the influence of their king. They're under the influence of the dominion of Satan. And they are becoming demonized. They are becoming demon possessed and they are becoming his anointed ones and where is he getting that from he's copying that from our father because he sees that our father his real bride are not just church members but Satan sees God's real bride are possessed by God that God lives in them walks in them talks in them speaks out of them lives his word out of their lives and they are him. Well, praise the Lord. Now, this is the spirit that I personally want to be into. And let me be honest with you about it tonight. I've already arrived. Now, I want more of it. And I'm not the only one. Many of you have too. But I want more of what I already have. I don't want to preach about a Jesus that used to move. I want to preach about a Jesus that is Hebrews 13.8. But I just don't want to preach about him being that way. I want to be able 
able to, when I'm called on the scene and called to do so, be able to bring him on the scene before you. Now remember the prophet when he preached about sirs, we would see Jesus. He said that a real true servant of God has the ability to bring him on the scene in front of you. Now, I will not be able to do what the prophet did. None of us will be able to. But if I'm a God-called man, I'm a pastor or an evangelist or a teacher or whatever I would be, if I'm called by God, I am anointed by God in the capacity that God's given me, I will be able to bring him on the scene in front of you. Well, come on now, don't sit there scared. Because it is his way, it is his means by which we are called to do so. Now, I cannot do that as a mortal. You cannot do it as a mortal. Don't sit there and look at me funny and think, wow, you're taking a lot on yourself. You mothers in your God-called ability should have the ability to bring him on the scene in your home right in front of your little children. Now, will you be able to do it as a prophet did or your pastor, maybe Brother Darrell? No. But in your God-called, God-chosen capacity, God wants you, when you're in distress, to be able to call upon his name. And you don't have to call on me. You don't have to call on Brother Darrell. But maybe the Lord wants to prove to your little children that God hears mama when she prays. And God hears daddy when he prays. So what do you do? Then by your prayer, you are able to bring the Lord Jesus right there around your kitchen table and your children be able to sense the same presence of God that they sense when they're right here in church. Now what is that? That is a Messiah. It is one that is not just anointed for signs. We believe in signs. I thank God for signs. And we see them happening among us. But I don't want us to be anointed for signs. I was anointed for signs when I was a Pentecostal preacher. I saw God do great miraculous things in my ministry when I was a Pentecostal preacher. And God still does the same thing today. But it took more than just being anointed for signs to satisfy that longing in my soul. But it was more of that, but the signs don't stop. These signs shall follow them that believe. They continue to follow the believer. I don't follow signs. Signs follow me. I'm not looking for this man or that man. I'm not looking for this sign or that sign. No, you've got it in the wrong place. Signs should be followed following you if you are a God-called believer. So Messiahs are those that are getting under the anointing of the hour, under the word of the hour, and they find not only the time, but what Paul called the high time in the book of Romans. Now Paul used this terminology in, in the book of Romans, and we'll get to it in a bit, but he said it is time for those that are asleep to be awakened out of their sleep. Then he uses two more words, and he calls it high time. Now it's amazing because when you look at the English word time and then you look at it a few words down again you think what it means exactly the same thing but it does not mean the same thing the first one time can eos would mean a, a certain
certain spot of time. But high time is a more selected, designated, special season of time. So time would be, say, a church age. But high time would be the hour that we're living. The Laodicean church age has been going on for years and years and years. But we're not just at the right time. We're at high time. So it is a specific designated time that God has something on his mind. So God is not just now thinking about the timeline, but God is thinking about high time. So it is a special designated spot. And we know, of course, it's changed down through time. But watch this. In the Messiah, God comes into his church and he anoints him some Messiahs. Oh my, do you see it? The same things he did in his church, the same power he had is in his church. His church becomes his dominion and he's king over this dominion and we are kings and priests. So then it is a messianic kingdom. So now I realize that the majority of the church out here will never understand and comprehend such and they would look at you very strange as you would even mention it because it's not preached to them. So they don't understand. They don't think they can relate to a Messiah and they think, well, Jesus was a Messiah. Well, you're talking about Jews. Well, that's as far as they go because they think that when you use Messiah, it would be to the Jews alone. But I say to you tonight, the Lord Jesus is not just the Messiah to the Jews, he's the Messiah to the bride. And it is a messianic, which means what? Anointed or Christos, it is a messianic kingdom. So it is the Messiah and his wife, Messiahs. So it's not now that God sent his son into the world and you know somebody will feel sorry for him and they'll come up and they'll accept this poor little old boy and God searched over heaven and God hunted and looked and hunted and looked everywhere and couldn't find nobody and then God looked over at his little boy and said, now I'm telling you son, you're gonna have to do it. And the boy said, oh Papa, please, I don't wanna do this. Oh Papa, please, no, no, no. Well, God said, well, somebody's gotta do it. I can't do it, so you're the only one. If God made somebody else other than himself die for my sin. He was unjust to do so. Because God Almighty was the one that gave the penalty of the law and God could not die in form of spirit so God had to die in form of man which was his own sonship in the form of creation. But if it is a messianic kingdom that it's not just that the Messiah is at the head and everybody else down beneath it is a bunch of dogs. And they're just a bunch of low bellies. They mount to nothing. They're rotten. They're no good. They're sorry. They're no count. That is not a messianic kingdom. If it is a messianic kingdom, everybody from the top all the way down are messiahs. Well, I figured that'd choke you to death. Now, you see, the church age is not part of the messianic kingdom. Because they are those that receive eternal life as not already having previously had it by being burst into the kingdom. But every member of the messianic kingdom is what? A little anointed one. Friends, when I get up here and I'm sick or I'm going through trials or tests and I ask you all to pray for me, I'm not doing that because it's cordial. 
I'm not doing that because I think it's a nice thing to do. I'm doing it because I sincerely want you to pray for me. Because I have confidence in your prayers. And I believe that you can touch God for me. And shame on you if you don't do that when I ask you to. Shame on us if we don't do it when our brothers and sisters ask us to do so because sometimes it might be a lay member that would be able to touch the very heart of God for you. Is that right? Why? Because each of us that are baptized into this kingdom are immersed into the messianic kingdom of the Lord Jesus. So the headship is Messiah, then the body is Messiah. What does Messiah simply mean? One that is sent with a message. So it is the Christos. It was talked about in the book of Daniel. And Daniel was the first one to be able to reiterate it to where the Jews started looking for it in this anointed man way. Because it was really unclear. Genesis 3.15, Deuteronomy 8.15, Nahum 1, you know, all the different places. But when Daniel captured it and he saw a vision of the Son of Man and then he sees this kingdoms and he saw them destroyed by a rock and then it was revealed to him that this rock would be a man and this man would become the rock again which would be the anointing one which would build up a messianic kingdom on the earth what was it doing God changing his form and the people of of, sad to say of the church ages many of them have failed to realize that it was the same Lord Jesus in bride form in every church age Now in that you've got the wise and the foolish virgin and the foolish will never be able to become the true anointed one. They'll be saved, yes, they'll receive eternal life, absolutely. But the bride is called to be more than just saved. We're called to be more than just saved people that are barely hanging on. We are called to carry out the messianic kingdom of Jesus Christ. Notice, so he left a dominion, he's king over this dominion, and we are kings and priests. We, we are kings and priests in this dominion. You say, now, Brother Donnie, right now. And we have a kingdom that God has given to us and what you call the kingdom of God. Lo, the kingdom of God is within you, which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So whenever we stand there, I lay hands on you. Other God call me and lay hands on you. It is not so much us. It is not even our voice. You may hear our voice, but it is the words of the Lord Jesus that is commanding that devil to leave your body. Now, whether or not you understand it, all you may hear is my voice or Brother Wes or Brother Darrell or Brother Brad, whoever, their human voice. But believe me, demons hear more than the voice of Donnie Reagan. Demons heard more than the voice of William Branham. It was the voice of a member of the Messianic kingdom. That's right. Notice he says that we are kings and priests offering spiritual sacrifices to God. The fruits of our lips giving praise to his name. Now this is why we come to church. Now could the people of the Old Testament once they had a tabernacle of witness and then it moved on up of course into Solomon's temple and then the second temple restored. Could the people of God stay home and worship just as good as they could at the temple? Nope. Absolutely not. 
As a matter of fact, all the males had to present themselves three times a year, sometimes more, depending on what year it was. They would have to come to the house of God in Jerusalem and present themselves. Now we know that when the Lord Jesus was upon the earth, that he himself went to church. Now for those who have got the revelation so-called, that they don't need to go to church anymore, that they've got the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost will teach them. Well, I'll tell you what Brother Branham said about that opinion. Brother Branham said the people who say that need their brain baptized. Yeah, they need their brain baptized because the same word that said the Holy Ghost is a teacher set teachers in the church. And he said, why did he set teachers in the church? So the Holy Ghost could teach through the teacher. Can you praise at home? You should. Can you worship in your Walmart? Yeah, sure, you can do that. But there, God, there is something about God having a place where the saints of God assemble ourselves together and there it is consecrated it is set aside and there we meet together. You notice how Paul addresses the church. I just got through doing a study on every passage in the scripture in the New Testament where the word church, churches and all that is mentioned and even when they were in the first stages of the gospel as primitive as it was in the New Testament and the churches are very small so they would meet in their homes and Paul whenever he would write to the church that was here or there or there and he would say to the church which is in their house. I thought, wow, how amazing. The church which is in their house, and he did not say the church which is their house. But he put a designation and a separation from the church and their house. So their house was not the church, but the church was in their house. So they were there meeting and it was set aside and it was a place that was consecrated. Now whenever they got bigger and bigger, guess what they done? They moved out of those houses. No doubt some of them didn't like it when they had to move and they got bigger and bigger and more folks got saved and all that sort of thing and some of them probably had their nose all out of joint and they griped and complained about it. But what were you better off to do? What are you better off to do? Go ahead and move because you need to or sit there and be able to satisfy a few complainers and gripers, which you're always going to have. Or are you supposed to follow the move of God and try to tend to the needs of the saints of God? Well, praise the Lord. So there's something about it then when we come together that we designate. Now there are people of course that can't come to the house of God because of their age or there's no how, no church where they live and many of them thank God for streaming, thank God for CDs and all that sort of thing. But if people have the ability to come to the house of God and they just laying out cause they're basically lukewarm and cold, I wouldn't want your chances of being in the rapture. Well, who is that for anyhow? Praise the Lord. Now, notice this. So we're offering spiritual sacrifices to God, the fruit of our lips giving praise to his name. Amen. Oh, my, there you are. Messiahs, Messiahs, little Messiahs, little anointed ones, anointed off of what? The main one, anointed off of the great one. So there's no great ones now. There's no, among the Messiahs, there's no great one's all this great big preacher and this great big no no there's only one great one and that's the Lord Jesus then all the rest of us are just little ones 
Remember what I told you the other night that the word Paul meant little one? Well, that's what God wants us all to be. Now, what's this in the Sardisian church age? Everything that had a beginning has an end. So when we receive eternal life, we're receiving part of that cosmic light that was back yonder before there was a molecule. Part of that cosmic light that was back yonder before there was a molecule, that light of God comes into our heart that enlightens us that we see Jesus. Now notice the Bible said we don't see all things. He's quoting here from Hebrews. We don't see all things, but we see Jesus. Now the key to this is being able to see Jesus in the age and the time that you're living in. Now most of Christendom and the day that we're living, they think they have a view of Jesus, but many of them have received another Jesus, which is not the Jesus of the Bible. Oh my goodness. First John chapter two, verse six. Notice John writing and said, he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. Now I want you to notice this, that the Lord Jesus like us had to walk in the light of the age. So if the Lord Jesus would have come on the earth preaching the message of Moses, he would have been out of sync with the light of God. If he would have come preaching what John preached, he would have been out of sync, out of the light of God. So the Lord Jesus had to walk this certain way. What was that walk? Walk in the light of God as the light of God is shown to you. Remember whenever his mother come to him and said they're out of wine. The first miracle that he did there was a wedding at Cana. And she come to him and said, they're out of wine. And he said, what woman do I have to do with you? My time is not yet come. Now, you notice this, that Jesus was following light and he was following time. So he was coupled together following light time and time light. Now, light must be dispersed according to the way that God will reveal it. Now, we have no record, of course, that he ever healed the sick, raised the dead when he was a five-year-old boy, 10-year-old boy, 15, 20, but he was waiting on the right time. And we know that he what? He must become the Messiah. Now, the angel told Mary, thou shalt call his name Jesus, not Jesus Christ. The angel never said you'll call his name the Lord Jesus. Never said you'll call his name the Lord Jesus Christ. Now remember the four gospels were written many, many years after he was on the earth. And them looking back in retrospect when they write this, they refer to him as Jesus Christ or Lord Jesus, but whenever they were here in these initial stages, they did not see this. Well, come on now. They did not see it because they did not have the Holy Ghost. So they would say, oh Jesus, thou son of David, Jesus this, and Jesus Jesus that. But notice Peter when he begins to speak in the book of Acts and he said, this same Jesus hath God made both Lord and Christ. So here we have Lord 
Lord Jesus Christ, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Father, Lord Supreme, Son, Humanity, Jesus, and Holy Spirit, that part of himself, which can be divided into individual souls. Praise be to God. My brother, sister, that's the Godhead as sure as there's a God in heaven. That's why that every member of the bride, the Messiah, has a portion of the Godhead. You see the way that the devil has got the world and the majority of Christendom believe it? No, the, the believers out here, what's so called, they don't have a part of the Godhead in them. How could they? Because they've got the Godhead divided up in three persons, and when you do that, you're an idol worshiper. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. He ain't two, he ain't three, he's one. There is no such thing, oh my, unto thee it was shown that thou mightest know that the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. God said in the book of Isaiah, is there any beside me? He said, I know not one. Well, he ought to know. If there was another one up there, he ought to be able to look over and see him. But he said, I know not one. Well, if he didn't know one, I don't know one either. So what would the Messiahs be? They would have a portion of the Godhead bodily dwelling in their souls. Praise be to God. Now, the true sign of this will be their adherence and understanding of the light of the day, and it will also be obedience to that word. It's not just saying mouse, mouse, mouse. Oh, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it. No, 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 no. It's doing it. It's walking in the light as he is in the light. Watch this in Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So it's not everyone that saith that saith, but him that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils? And Jesus didn't say, now wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You lied. You lied. You never cast out devils. Jesus never said that he would say that. They are anointed ones, but it does not go deep enough into the realm of the soul. The messianic kingdom begins from the soul out, not from the flesh in. You see, for some, it's on the flesh. Oh, they hoop and holler and glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And live a life that's not even worthy of the gospel. Or their spirit becomes anointed and they might dream, they might prophesy, and they might do all of that. But we don't, we want that, yes. But we want to make sure we're doing it from the soul out. You understand? Oh, thank God. In thy name have cast out devils. In thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you depart from me. So you people will actually stand there. Why? Because you identified what they were doing, you workers of iniquity. Notice in St. John 14, 21, he that hath my commandments and, well, that's a powerful little word, isn't it? A and D. And keepeth them. He it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, the fatherhood, and I will love him, the sonship, and will manifest myself to him. No 
notice and John picks up the same thing in 1 John 2, 4. And he says, he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments. What? Is a liar. So then the majority of Christians in this day, that say they know the Lord Jesus and do not keep his words, are liars. Well, I don't care what that Bible says. I don't, I don't, uh, you're a liar. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So you see, truth is more than something that we hear. It is something more than we talk about. But truth needs a residence or an occupancy in our soul. Oh my. You see, this is, let me say it this way, this would be a death blow to those who say they know him and those who say they love him so much and that his blood simply just covers all of their filth and they can keep on living any way they want to do, which is the modern Laodicean church member. Well, you know, I can't do this, and I, and you know, God don't require us to live holiness anymore. If God required it once, he still requires it now. That's right. John goes on to say, but whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Oh, my I find it totally amazing for those around the message who say they believe what the messenger taught. And Brother Branham taught us in quoting the scripture in the book of Hebrews, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, going to church. And then Brother Branham added this part, as the manner of unbelievers is. Well, praise the Lord. Now, you see, oh, but I don't come back, I don't, but all it takes is missing that one scripture right there. For those, not those who cannot come, please hear me right, not those who would love to be here and cannot, but for those who feel like they do not need it, then you don't need what the scripture has taught you. Then you have let an unbelieving spirit get on you that is contrary to the messianic kingdom. Well, amen. But whoso keepeth, not confesseth, not talketh about us, not thinketh they knoweth so much us, not those that think that they know more than the pastor knoweth, and they know us more than the deaconess knoweth, and they know us and they know us. You're a know-it-all, aren't you? But apparently your know-it-all don't help you live it, does it? You see, Jesus didn't say, or John didn't say, those that know it, and those that talk about it, and those that memorize it, but whoso keepeth his word. Oh my, what are we doing here tonight? You got ready, many of you worked, and you was tired, and you thought, you know what, man, I'm so tired, I don't know if I can go to church or not, but you thought, I'm gonna go. I wanna go ahead and go, and you got in here and sat down, and you said, boy, I'm so tired, I don't know if I can do it or not. But you went ahead and pressed. What did you do? Keeping his word. Why? Because his word said, forsake not the assembly. Notice whoso keepeth his word, in him verily 
is the love of God perfected. So the love of God is not perfected in those that just say, well, I accept him as my savior and he atones for everything that I can't do. No, you're not completely reading the rest of the scripture. Those who keep the word of God in those are the love of, the love of God perfected, which is teleos, which means that you come to a full stature. What is that stature? The stature of a perfect man. So it is, again, the bride. Who, who will be able to do this? Only the ecclesia of God. Because others will make excuses. Well, I can't do that. Well, it's in my nature. My daddy smoked, and my daddy had girlfriends, and, you know, my daddy had this lust problem, and my mama done this, and my grandma and mine, you know, excuse after excuse after excuse. But those that are born of the spirit of the Messiah, and the anointing anoints their soul, it quickens them to keep his word. Why? God keeps his word, and if you're a son or daughter of God, you keep God's word. It's by keeping his commandments that the love of God is perfected in us. You see, those who only read John 3.16, and they think by accepting him as Savior that that perfects the love of God in their heart. You need to reread your Bible. It is not accepting him as Savior that the love of God is perfected. That's when the love of God begins. But it's when we further obey and we continue to obey. In doing what? Walking in the light as he is in the light. I know we're so criticized and all this sort of thing, you know, because people don't understand why in the world do we feel the need to talk about a prophet and a message? Why can't we just go back to the gospels? All right, let's go back to them. Let's go back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And let's just take them since part of them were eyewitnesses of the Lord Jesus. Let's leave out Philippians, Philemon, First and Second Corinthians, Thessalonians, and all the rest of those outside of the five of the four gospels. Let's see how much we would understand about our Lord Jesus. Let's see how much we would understand about church order. So why do we need to go on with the book of Acts, which was written by a man by the name of Luke, which was not even an eyewitness of what the Lord Jesus did. But Luke wrote down what other people told him. Why did God do this? Because now the Messiah himself has moved into a different spectrum of light. When he was on the earth, it was in the spectrum of light, of light reflecting through the sunship. God and Morphe in a man. But whenever he can went up and come back in the form of the Holy Ghost, now he chooses to show things about himself, about his word, about his kingdom that he himself didn't even preach when he was here. Now it wasn't that he didn't know it, but it was not time for it to be uttered yet. So what was Paul saying? Things that none of the rest of them said. Well, come on now. I'd like for you to take some of the things that Paul said and show me where Peter said some of them and where James said some of them. But Paul was a prophet of the age. And Paul caught things that neither Peter, James, nor John was able to catch from the presence of God and wrote them down and we accept them as being the scriptures. Is that right? 
And there was not another man amongst all of them that had that ability. Why? It was Jesus reflecting himself in the dispensation of Paul's ministry. Now, if we just go back to the Gospels and just say, well, let's just do what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John said, because many of them was the words of the Lord Jesus. That was. But it was the words of the Lord Jesus when Paul was writing in the book of Corinthians. It was the words of the Lord Jesus in the light of the day. What was he doing? He was now displaying himself in the messianic kingdom where before it was the messianic king. And the focus was on the king. Oh, he would drop things about this and that and the other to come. But the real dispersion of the gospel came whenever he came back in another form, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And what did he choose to do? He kept on revealing himself, revealing himself, revealing himself. Then the church went down through the dark ages. But thank God, God said, I ain't going to leave it here in the dark ages. So God chose a man by the name of Martin Luther. Thank God for Martin Luther. Then God chose a man by the name of John Wesley. Thank God for John Wesley. Here we come. Then God chose a one, by one guy out in California, a black guy, one, one of his eyes was out. Seymour was his name. And God began to reveal to him further things about the restoration of gifts. I'm bringing her on home. And then God said, but there's more to come. I'm going to send Elijah. Thank God for a man that God called to restore what? Our hearts back to the original faith of the apostolic doctrine. He did not come to replace our Bible. He did not come to start a new denomination. He did not come to start a clique or a cult or a clan, but he come to turn us back to the original apostolic faith the way Peter believed it, the way Paul believed it, the way John believed it, baptized the same way, healed the sick the same way, cast out devils the same way, the same Lord Jesus in bride form. You see, obedience is the result and proof of love. Obedience is the result and proof of love. Then love allows the fruition of obedience in that life. So it's like the prophet said when a man receives the Holy Ghost, he receives, say, the size of a little button. Something down inside of him about the size of a button. And the more he grows and the more he gets himself out of the way, then the more that little button can grow. And the thing that starts is the consequence of being born again. And then you've got a deposit of God that's now quickened by his own life and his own breast. And then it sets up this war inside of your members. And one of them wants you to do what is right. And the old flesh, which is not born again, that old Roman, you've heard me preach about him before, that old Roman that wars against you. And yet, the two laws are still working inside of your mortality and your immortality. And by the breath of God, you become so quickened to the life of him that it breaks your heart if you say or do one thing that displeases him. It shows that you've truly been converted because you were not born to feel that way about him. And it sets you in this motion toward this great thing that all your whole life you're waiting for from that point on. And that is to where that you'll have a body which matches your soul. Because here you said tonight, those of you that are born again, and you have a body that still matches the, the old man, the old nature. What are y'all doing wearing glasses tonight? Why am I getting gray-headed? 
Why are we losing our strength? Why are some of you men losing your hair and some of you sisters losing, you know, your teeth or whatever more? What is it? It's because our soul is still captured in this body of time. And this body of time still loves this whole thing out here. And as I've told you over and over again, it is not trying to bring this thing to perfection. It's bringing this thing to subjection. We focus for years and years on trying to perfect this thing. And the devil, oh my, the devil has beat us around the bush with it over and over again. And you're a human and you're going to make mistakes. Happy Valley said, you're going to have that old human nature. It's going to bother you as long as you live. But the good thing about it is it bothers you. But whenever you do, then Satan tries to come by. Oh, you ain't got the Holy Ghost. You ain't born again. You ain't this, that, the other. You need to look at him as I read today. And the prophet said, address him like this and say, Mr. Satan, Mr. Satan. (laughs) He said, you ain't got nothing to do with me. I am made out of stuff that don't bless. Amen. And that's exactly what we need to do and realize that this body is not a bit more born again today. Now think of it. Many of you have been serving the Lord for decades of your life. Your flesh is no closer to being born again tonight than it was when you bowed at the altar, Brother Jim, 40 years ago or whatever it was. It's no closer. But yet every time, hallelujah, that our heart beats and we're getting closer to the body chain, that's what's bringing us closer. It's not how much more you pray, how much more you read your Bible. It's keeping in this thing subject and you know yourself I know myself and it pays us to know ourselves well and to be able to keep the things away from us that hinder us don't think you're ever going to get to a spot that you're going to be able to perfect this whole body oh I'll get to a place praise God I'll never do this that the other you're lying and you are deceiving yourself this thing's going to aggravate you it's going to bother you and then on the other way around your soul's going to aggravate this body your soul's going to tell this body you're going to church. You're going to worship when you get there. Your soul ain't got no hands. Your soul ain't got no feet. Your soul ain't got no eyes. And your soul tells your body, I need your hands to praise God. And your body says, I'm tired. And your soul says, shut up. I need your hand. And your soul says, I need your feet. I need your hand to crank that vehicle. I need your foot to put on the gas pedal. I need your arm to crank down and drive. You're taking me to the house of God and you're sitting there with me and we are worshiping the Lord. Well, I don't want to. I don't care whether you want to or not. I am your boss. Hallelujah. I am your boss. I live in this house. You are mine, so shut up. Now, that was just Wednesday. Now, whatever we start having Saturday again, which I hope ain't long. Man, I miss Saturday. Guess what? You'll have to tell it the same thing. And then on Sunday morning, the same thing. Well, you say, after a while, it'll get used to it, won't it? It won't get a bit more used to it than a mule will. Can you trying to tell an old mule, big old long-eared mule? Y'all remember me telling you years ago about me riding old zombie? His brother Philip Martin's daddy that had a ranch out there in Colorado. Everybody got a horse but me. And I got an old mule named Zombie. And old Zombie knew I didn't like him. And I think Zombie didn't like me. 
Brother Charlie Cox laughed and laughed and laughed because zombie, I tried to speed him up a little bit. Everybody up galloping down through that with a really nice gait on quarter horses and this and that and the other. An old zombie just dragging along and I'd kick him in the side and whenever I'd finally get him going, he was bucking and kicking every time I'd go to run it. Well, that reminds me of old Donnie. Well, come on. It reminds me of old Wes and old Fred. <laughs> come on now. You might as well just say amen. You're riding no zombie to glory. Hallelujah. Old zombie don't want to worship. Old zombie don't want to do right. But as long as I'm on zombie, zombie's going the way I want to go. If I've got to kick him, if I've got to whoop him. Hallelujah. Why? Because God has baptized my soul into the kingdom of the Messiah. But my body is not Messiah. Your body is not Messiah. It don't like it. Notice this in Romans 13, 11. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time. Now the same English word for time, two different, complete different Greek words. Knowing the time, that now it is high time. So time is a big assortment, an allotment. But high time is more focused on a particular aspect. We're not just in the time of the seventh angel's message, but we're in the high time of the bride recognizing who she is. Notice in that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer, my, than when we believed. Now, sleep, we know, is an important thing. Mentioned in the book of Genesis, mentioned all through the Bible. Symbolically, parabolically, it's used as slumber. It's used as people being on alert, unaware. It was used in Matthew 25 with the virgins. They all slumbered and slept. Here Paul is capturing the same thing. And he states that there is a possibility that people can live in the first slot of time and be asleep to the high time. But he said, now it's time to awake. Oh my, time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation. Are there several examples of sleep that led to very bad, bad ends? Let me call it this way tonight, the sleep of Samson. We all know Samson was a mighty hero that God used. And it was not just sleep alone that got Samson in trouble, but it was Samson's heart. He gave his strength to God, gave his muscles, his frame, all of that to God. But the prophet tells us he gave his heart to Delilah. So the sleep of Samson to me, there's a great symbolism in these that would speak about for a few minutes if I can have a little bit more of your time. 
that in the sleep of Samson, it is one that while in partiality of their line of duty, that they are doing something for God, they love God, they're not denying God, but they become lax, they become cold. They still do some of the things that God wants. Now, Samson did not stop killing Philistines, but it's very difficult killing Philistines when you got a girlfriend that's one. Now, notice this in Judges 16, 19. She made him sleep upon her knees. The sleep of Samson. Now, Samson was in tune with the time but he was missing the high time. And you know what the high time was? The high time was his time. Now, he was well enough aware of God and God's great economy. You know that God had sent Moses and God had sent Noah and God had sent this and that and the other. But where Samson was having a problem was aligning his own life in harmony with the high time which was not something 50 years ago, 50 years coming down the road, but something right now. You young people hear me tonight? It's not just, oh, well, after I get a college degree and after I get this and that and the other, you may not live to even get a degree, brother, sister. You want to serve God while you're not only got a degree, but in the process of getting one. That's right, because none of us have a, a promise of tomorrow. So Samson was, we would identify him as being a believer, and he was in the first slot of time, but he was missing the more acute time, which was his time. And it was that during that time frame that the Bible tells us here that she made him sleep upon her knees. Now what a precarious situation that we have because we have the man of God of the hour that has laid his head over in the lap of the world, Delilah. And he's given away his secret to be able to tell her. And we know that he toyed with her a little bit and teased her a little bit. And then finally he told her what his secret was. And whenever this happens, of course, the Bible goes on to say that she called for a man and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him and his strength went from him. So Samson actually enters in to a sleep or a lull. And it is asleep concerning what? The high time. It was his time to be God's anointed one. It was his time to destroy the enemy. It was his time. This is why he was called. This is what he was ordained to do. Come on now, church. This was what he was ordained to do. You see, this is not aimed at Moses. This is not aimed at Samuel. This is not aimed at the coming of the Messiah on down the road. But it is named, aimed rather at the high time in Samson's own life. And what did Satan do? Satan rocked him to sleep in the lap of Delilah. And she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he woke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times before and shake myself. And he wished not that the Lord was departed from him. 
Now notice he missed the high time. How did he miss it? By laying on the lap of Delilah. And while he was there, his very secret was gone away. Look, friend, we cannot flirt with the world. We cannot toy with the world. We cannot tease with the world. Everything about our hearts, our souls, everything about us ought to be consecrated to the Lord Jesus. Is that right? Well, you, you, you brothers wouldn't want your wife, if she didn't do no more but wink at a man. Would any of you brothers that's married want your wife to be winking at another brother out here in the vestibule? Or act to the service? Or taking a picture of herself, a selfie, and sending it to one of the brothers in the church and that she's winking at him? That within itself would break your heart. Why, you say, my, you certainly wouldn't want her contacting him on Facebook and sending some type of messages or something to him. Of course not. Well, the Lord Jesus Jesus feels the same way about his bride. He don't want us looking out here in the world and winking at the world and trying to hold on to the world and hold on to him at the same time. What is that? The sleep of Samson. The sleep of Samson. It is time and high time that many around our ranks awake out of the sleep of Samson. They are not unbelievers. They are not infidels, but they just straddle of the fence. They're hanging on to the will of God and trying to hang on to the world. They don't read the Bible like they used to. They don't pray like they used to, but yet they don't want to go to hell. Oh, you need to fall more in love with the Lord Jesus. Why would we trade off angels being around us, my, as our suitors in sleep and trade off for the lap of Delilah? My, my. Let's look at another sleep in the Bible. Proverbs 6, 9. How long will thou sleep, O sluggard? This one I'll call the sleep of the sluggard. How long will thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth and thy want as an armed man. Oh, now here we see. Now this person is totally different than Samson. They're not really on fire for God. They're not really, well, you know, whatever. I can go to church whenever I want to. I can live right. I can do this and that. No, no man can come to Jesus, he said, unless my father draws him. Now, let me tell you something, friends. You may make up your mind one day, oh, I'm going to get right with God. I'm going to get on fire with God. And God says, I'll have no time for you no longer. You turn down your last time. Well, God help us. But you see, this is the sleep of the sluggard. The one that's just a procrastinator. You know, they put off till next week and next week. And well, next time I, I'll get right with God. Next camp meeting. Well, I, I'm going to get on fire with God. Uh, Brother Joe Green's camp meeting. No, no, no. I changed my mind. I think I'm going to wait up to Brother Ron's meeting up there in, in Labor Day because Brother Tim's going to be up there and, and whoever else is going to be there. So I, I'm going to wait till then. You may not live till in the morning. But you see, the sluggard folds their hands on the slothful, and they put this off, and they put that off, and they put something else off. Oh my, this is the sleep of the slothful man. Now we're talking about a sleep that is a spiritual sleep, so he can just lay down, and boy, he don't need a NyQuil, he don't need a melatonin, he don't need an herbal tonic, he can just go to sleep. I mean, right now, he can sit there and go to sleep while you're talking to him about going hunting somewhere, and he can just sit there and go to sleep and drink a big cup of 
coffee or whatever, and then get up and go to bed and sleep again. He has no, I'm talking about spiritual now. The sluggard is just that way. He has no problem in entering into the sleep. And yet people think sometimes that sleep is a great place, a great state of peace. No, not this type of peace. Not this type of sleep. Not this type of slumber. This is one who's in a terrible, terrible situation spiritually. They can sleep right in the middle of prophecy happening every day. You see, they can watch the signs of the times. They can see Israel. They can see this, that, the other. And they can look right at it and they can hear it and they can go sound asleep while the preacher's preaching. Now, I'm not talking about naturally now. I'm not talking about you fighting sleep when you're coming to church. But I'm talking about spiritual. They can hear it. You know, the preacher say, wake up, children. Wake up. Let's get ready. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. And spiritual, they just, they just, they just came. And they just had this peace that comes on them. Oh, my, they just feel so restful. Wake up, sluggard. Wake up, slothful man or woman. Notice Proverbs 19:15. Slothfulness cast us into a deep sleep. So you see, it's not sign, a sign that a person has great peace and rest with God because they're in this spiritual deep sleep. Slothfulness itself will put you or induce you into this spiritual sleep to where that you just feel such peace and you're just almost comatose. I mean, my, you just, you're just in this great peace. Everybody else is talking about the signs of the times and more. We're at the end time and you're just, really? Oh my, oh my, well, I, I, I guess I'm just, uh, I guess I'm just not too concerned about it. I'm just, uh, I'm just, uh, you're just uh, what? Uh, you're a slothful sluggard and your slothfulness is convinced you you've got peace with God. Slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep. And an idle soul shall suffer hunger. Now, remember, much of the Old Testament was written in parallel of how that they would observe humanity and its slothful nature, and they would pick out those principles. And this, of course, was what Solomon was doing. And he was comparing and showing that a man that did not work, well, he wouldn't eat. And a man that did not provide, he would be in that spiritual state, natural state rather, to where he would not eat. Same way spiritually, that those who do not enter into their, you know, the Bible tells us that the kingdom of heaven, you know, even until John, it was preached. And then from that time on, every man presseth into the kingdom. And he said, the violent take it by force. The violent actually take the kingdom of God by force. So you can see why that for many of Christendom in the world today, they'll never get very far because they think it's all got to be rained down. It's all going to be rained down. It's just going to be poured out everywhere. But the violent, now notice how the Bible likens the elect, that the violent will take it by force. So they'll press their way. Why? They're Joshua and Caleb. Footprints means possession. And they will press their way through every hardship, every disease, every sickness. It makes no difference because the inside of them is this violent attribute of the Messiah himself. He roars. And the violent take the kingdom of God. Look, friend, do you think that where I stand in God has all just fell around me? 
Do you think my preaching, Brother Darrell, these other brothers, that we just stand up here and my, we preach by open letter, we open our mouths and let her fly? Do you think all that comes with no study, no application, no prayer? You think it just comes out of heaven and I, I go up and pick up my iPad and there's my sermon sent directly down from heaven somewhere? You're crazy. I said you are crazy. I just finished a study just a few weeks ago of over 3,500 quotes on one word. 3,500 took me days and days and hours and hours. Why? If I'm going to preach, I'm going to approach it as one who puts forth every effort to my ability. I'm not going to just lackadaisical let it be. I'm going to take it by force. Or I can study on three or four quotes and come and give you all a bologna sandwich and stick it up in the microwave next Sunday and retitle it three years from now and just add a little more flavor to it and preach it to you again. Is that the kind of food you all want? No, but you want me to be a violent preacher, don't you? Well, I want you to be violent about receiving it. It ain't fair for you to expect me to be violent and you sit there like a bunch of six-week-old baby. Look, look, there was another sleep. The sleep of Jonah. Jonah 1-4, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and lay and was fast asleep. You see, some sleep the sleep of Jonah, but it's not a realistic rest. It's not a peace-driven rest. Yet, they can go in the bottom of the ship. They can sit right around a message church and never lift a finger to do one thing and they can criticize everybody and their brother that does everything else and they themselves ain't grown in 47 years. But boy, if you ask them if they're going the rapture, they're the first one to raise their hand. What are they doing? They're down the bottom of the ship. They ain't never done nothing. They don't ever pray. They don't ever, you know, who wants to pick up paper on the parking lot? Who wants to help? We're going to meet over at the new property and we're going to put out rocks. Who wants to put out rocks? Who wants their name in the foundation? Brother Donnie, do you need a picture of someone on the church? Well, if we did, it wouldn't be you. <laughs> so they board the ship. They go out to sea. And they climb right down on the bottom on their Tempur-Pedic. Oh. Oh. Good night. This man goes so sound asleep. This ship is nearly tore to pieces. Totally out of the will of God. As far as the season now. We remember what Brother Bram said about the image and the type. We know all that. The mighty storm descended. And this man is so deep in sleep. Mama, 
Sin is roaring all around him. People are torn to pieces. Mama. Verse 6, so the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Now remember, this man is a prophet of God, but that wasn't what the captain called him. You might be a sheep tonight, but if you're a sleepyhead, <laughs> O sleeper, arise! Call upon thy God! If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said, every one to his fellow, come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause the evil is. I guarantee you one thing, somebody's face started turning red. (laughs) So they cast lots and the lot fell on Daryl. Or fell on Jim or fell on Harry or Lance or Donnie. Or Fred. (laughs) I wonder how much he slept now after the lot fell on him. Now, you know what the lots were, right? You know how they use lots? No. Okay. Or depending on what they were. Some of them would use a stone. Some of them would use a piece of pottery. But they would write your name. That's why I called your names. So they'd write Dave, Wes, Linda, Janet, Carol. They'd write names. And then they'd either throw the lots and whichever one turned up, or they'd have a person to reach down inside it like we would in a hat. And they'd reach down there and they'd throw it down on that lot, but throw down, and there's everybody else's name playing face down, except for Jim Babb. And everybody in that boat started looking at Jim Babb and said, what have you done? He's still yawning. He's still trying because he has been resting so well. Oh, Jonah, wake up. It's high time, Jonah. Don't you see where Jonah was missing it? High time was his time. Happy Valley Church, don't you see? We're not just in the time, but we're in our time. We're in a high time. This is our time. We don't want to just point back to the founding fathers of the apostolic fathers. We don't want to bring it up just to 40, 50, 60 years ago of the fathers who laid the foundation for this message. But this is our time. This is our time. There may not be another tomorrow. If there is a tomorrow, no doubt some of these young men in here will be called to preach and they will take the message. But if not, they are not just waiting to become the church of tomorrow. I want them to be on fire and be part of the church of today. I don't want them to wait till all of us old people are gone and then they get right with God. Now is your time, brothers. Now is your time, sister. Now, my brother, sister, whether you're 16 or 80, now is high time. And the high time is your time. Awake. Oh, my. Praise God. The time is at hand. And the high time. The high time. Oh, I I love the Lord so much. I just, I have read that scripture in Romans 
ever since I was a boy of 12. You know when it was made clear to me? About quarter to seven, sitting back there. You know, I had been studying this for weeks, getting ready to preach this on Wednesday night. And I just reading down through there, scanning down, looking at them verses. And I thought, I'm going to click and see what that means. Like you probably, I thought the same thing. Time and time means the same thing. Until I got to looking at it. And I realized, this is our high time. This is our time. Not what it was 20 years ago. Not what it was 34 years ago when God sent me here. That was wonderful times, but we're in a different time now. But this is still our time, Brother Darrell. Oh, I can't preach as fast. I can't preach as hard. I can't preach as many sermons, I guess. But I'm still in my high time. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Or are we going to sleep the sleep of Samson? Or the sleep of the sluggard? Or the sleep of the sloths? Or the sleep of the disciples of Matthew 26? Or the sleep of these that we've just read about Jonah. But let us awake out of our sleep. And know that our time is at hand. Praise God. How many wants to be awake, alert? Not be a softful. Not be a Samson. Don't just give God your muscles. Give God your head. Give God your heart. Don't just give God your 10% out of your wallet. I do my dues. I buy the wood of some coal. That's good. That's good. But God would rather have your wallet. No, he don't want your wallet. God would rather have your ability to quote scripture. No. If God can get your heart, he gets the package deal. Your wallet comes with your heart. Yes, give God your heart and your mind comes with it. Give God your heart, your strengths, your abilities. Everything you are comes with your heart. That's why I say let's focus on getting the giver. Then if we get the giver, we get all the gifts. Praise God. Why would we just focus on tongues, interpretation, and prophecy? It's amazing. When I was in Pentecost, I noticed it, and I said even around the message of the hour, that Pentecostals focused on the three main vocal gifts. That was the ones that was deemed the most spiritual. Tongues, interpretation, prophecy. When you look at the ring inside the ranks of the message, those who really push gifts, push gifts, push gifts, push gifts, what three do they push? The three vocal gifts. What about wisdom? Now don't raise your hand, but can you even name the other six? Oh, some of y'all thought you didn't do it, did you? Why is it that we focus on tongues, interpretation, and prophecy? Could we even name the other six? (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Think of it, friends. I'm not sleeping. I'm not sleeping. Really? Let us arise. Our high time is here. This is not just Laodicean's age. This is not just President Biden's time. I think he's there for a reason myself. He may not know what it is. I'm not sure he even remembers why he's there for it. 
It's evident he don't even know how long he's been there. He's done made several mistakes saying that already. He's been president for so many years and senator for so long, so he may not even remember it, poor guy. Kamala will, of course. I seen the little cartoon the other day where she was pushing him in a wheelchair over a bluff. May not be too far from the truth. But it's not in the hands of Mr. Biden. It's not in the hands of the Democrats. It's in the hands of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. And if God's watching that and manipulating and controlling, what about me and you, friends? So let's not just recognize the time that we're in, the season that we're in, but let's hone down to the high time. My day, my hour, my season. Praise God. This is my time to be closer to God, brother. This is my time for God to reveal himself to me in a greater way than it's ever been before. Personally, I don't believe I've reached my peak yet. When you say, you need to wake up, you're way over the hill. Oh, maybe in my body. Maybe in my body. But watch Paul. Watch Brother Branham. The last few months of his life, he said them revelations was unfolding so fast on that desert, he couldn't even keep up with them. He never even used the word seed and the soul and seed gene and all that for the last four or five months of his life. Look at the revelation that God bursted out of that man's being the last months of his life. Let us keep walking. Let us keep opening up our hearts to the word. What you got more for me, Lord? What you got more? Let's not sleep to sleep, friends. Let's arise. Don't you love him with all your heart? Let's bow our heads if you would. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, I pray, Father, help me not to be as the disciples were that lonely, lonely night in the garden. As you came to them and you needed friends, you needed brothers that would stand with you, but you found them all asleep. And you woke them all up and said, can't you watch with me one hour? And you went back out and prayed the more earnestly. And you come back. They were asleep again. These were your closest men. And you woke them up again. Then you go out and pray and you come back again. Then you tell them, sleep on. Take your rest. For it's now time for the Son of Man to be betrayed in the hands of sinners. I never want to hear you say those words to me, Lord Jesus. That you would tell me, sleep on, Donnie. Just go ahead and sleep on. 
I needed a preacher that would stand for me and with me. But I see you're too caught up. I see you're too worried about pride or you're too worried about people will talk about you or this or that or the other. Just take your rest. Help me, Lord Jesus. But I'll stand for you, Lord. Stand with you in the reproach, in the suffering, in the pain, in the sorrow. Don't never have to speak those words to me. Sleep on. Take your rest. Lord, may it not be just so with me tonight, but every child of God that's in this place. May we never hear those dreadful words. Sleep on, young girl. Sleep on, young man. You'd rather smoke marijuana. You'd rather drink. You'd rather do this, that, the other than be a consecrated young man to my cause. May us 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds, 70, whatever we are, may none of us hear those words. But if you need a friend, if you need somebody that you need to wake up in the wee hours of the morning, I don't know why you do me that way, Lord, but you wake me up sometimes in the wee hours of the morning and give me things. And I pray I'll never be so tired and so weary. I don't understand why you do it, but I'm perfectly fine with it. Wake me up anytime you want, Lord. Even if I've struggled to go to sleep, wake me when you want. Keep me awake as long as you want. In some of the strangest times, Father, I've found that you'll give me something. And sometimes I wonder why you do it. Is it just to try me and see if I'll break away from what I'm doing or who I'm even talking to? Just to see if I'll obey you. Lord, help us. Help us not to sleep like Samson. Or sleep the sleep of the slothful. Or of Jonah. Oh Lord God. But may we be alert. May we be watching and waiting. Listening for our Lord's call. Granted I pray Father. For they that sleep. Sleep in the night. Help us Lord God to realize. Night is upon us everywhere. But the sun has risen in our souls. We live in a strange world because our soul is in the morning, but our bodies are in the night. Our bodies become so weakened and so weary and so tired, and they gravitate toward what? Sleep, both natural and spiritual. And our soul has never slept spiritually one moment since we got the Holy Ghost. So we're a sleep, non-sleep creature. Part of us don't never need it. And part of us, when we get weary, when we get exhausted, we can't hold our eyes open as we say spiritually. And that lull, God help us, I pray. Help us, Lord Jesus. Let me just raise your hands with me here tonight. Lord, help me. Help me that I don't get caught up in the world caught up in my business, caught up in making money, 
caught up in doing this and that and the other. Oh, not necessarily sin, friends. Just things that rock you to sleep. And you just become slothful concerning the things of the Lord. Oh, my. Remember, sisters, you, you're, you're a wife and you're a mother. and You've got many aspects, many layers of your life. It takes God to help you, sisters, to keep that straight. Same with you, brothers. Whether you're single or married, you have many aspects. And it's as, as if we're in layers. It takes God to help us to shift that balance of our time to where we do our obligations and our work and our family and all the members of our family. And yet, don't leave the Lord Jesus to where we give Him nothing. Or we lay down at night and just a few minutes before you go to sleep, you tell Him you love Him and help you tomorrow. And you give Him a few moments and that's all. You're sleeping asleep, my brother. You're sleeping asleep, my sister, that will not allow you to be quickened to the rapture. But we need to be wakened as those who have heard the resurrection cry, hallelujah, that yes, you're a housewife, yes, you're a husband, yes, you're a college school person that's studying and got all these things on your time, yes, but you can still have a walk with God. But how can I do it, Brother Donnie? God will lead you if you'll seek Him. Oh, you'll have more time when you get your job, hopefully. But if you don't break that pattern now when you get your job, you'll find yourself being in that same pattern once you get your job. If we learn to make time for Him, and when things are so stressful, when things ease up, you'll find you've already made that pattern in your life. If you're waiting for things to get better and things to make more time on their own, they will never do it. You'll be busy the rest of your life in the bottom of your ship, Jonah, sleeping a sleep of slumber. Oh, Lord God. Hallelujah. Can we just raise our hands to the Lord Jesus tonight? You and your way, just, just look. Where do you find yourself? Sleeping the sleep of Samson. The sleep of the slothful. The sleep of Jonah. The sleep of the disciples. The sleep of the foolish virgin. Now remember the Bible tells us all those virgins slept or they slumbered. But the wise, when they heard the cry, they arose and trimmed their lamps. That's what we want to do tonight. Hallelujah. When the Lord Jesus beckons to us that he don't say to us, sleep on. But we say, yes, Lord, I'm sorry. I rise, Lord. I trim my lamp and I've got all in my vessel. Praise God. Praise God. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Come by this way tonight, would you, Lord? May you search every heart. Begin with mine, Lord Jesus. Find anything in me, Lord, that displeases you. Help me, Lord. Any sleep of the slothful, any sleep of Samson, of Jonah, 
my Father show me. And I know you well enough to know you will never use the devil to tell me or any other son or daughter of God where I'm slacking or wrong. Why would you use your enemy? Many of us listen to the devil and he lies to us and tells us we're this and that and the other and we're going to die and we're going to do. I don't know why in the world we even listen to such a liar. Why would you use him to tell us? Why would you use the devil to tell me I was fixing to die when me and you was on first term speaking terms? Wow, you would use some servant of God to tell me to get my house in order. You ain't going to use no bald-faced liar. You ain't going to use no liar to tell us. Lord, you will speak to us yourself. You'll use your gifts and you'll speak to us, Father. So we open ourselves to you tonight, Lord, not to let that liar speak to us and let that liar condemn us and tell us all kinds of things. I ain't got no time to listen to his lies. But I open my heart to the Spirit of God. Oh, hallelujah. Speak to us, Lord Jesus. Make our hearts the manger, Lord. Let our hearts be the manger by which we're able to receive your word tonight, Father. Oh, grant it, I pray, Lord Jesus. Speak to us, would you, Lord? Not only those here present, but those streaming. Father, may you address every heart of your children around the world that'll listen to this service. Maybe in South America, Colombia, Brazil, Peru, Argentina, New Zealand, Australia, Canada, France, wherever they are, Lord God, speak to every heart. May we awake out of our slumber and our sleep, whether it's the sleep of Samson, of Jonah, of the disciples of the sluggard. Lord God, wake us. Shake us that we can see the high time is here. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Speak to us, Lord God. Thank you, Father. Oh, don't you love him, children? Just open your heart to him now. Are you open and welcome for correction from the Spirit of God? Are you open for him to deal with you and just whisper little secret things to you? You know, you, you could do better this and you could do better with that. Well, so how am I going to know if it's the voice of God or the voice of the devil? Well, sometimes that is hard. But one thing I've always learned, when the devil's talking to you, he comes with a voice of condemnation and never offers you a way out. But the Holy Spirit comes with a voice of conviction. He convicts you for what you do wrong and always offers you a way out. Judge the voice by that and it'll tell you a lot. Because the devil wants to tell you how many mistakes you've made and it's no use and there ain't no need to try. That sounds like a voice of condemnation to me. But the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Amen. Sing something for us, Harry. Let's just worship now. Let's just pull up 
pull up close to him. Praise the Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let's just pull up real close to his heart now. Mama. Let's just let him whisper to us his love secrets. You know how it is with your husbands and your wives and sometimes you have to correct your children and you don't want to, but you do it because you love them. More, you, you want to tell them that thing that they need to hear, but then you want to give them enough time to receive that correction. Then you want to pull them real close. Now, I want you to know mama loves you. Daddy loves you. I didn't say that to be mean to you. I said that to her because I love you. Let Jesus just whisper the corrective things that we need to hear. Let him pull us up real close. Praise God. Praise God. Now let's not pout like we all do as kids. Let's not pout on him. But let's just pull up real close and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I didn't realize how sleepy I was. Thank you for speaking to me tonight, Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Right now. Can we sing it together? Oh, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. Just worship Him with all your hearts. Oh, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right Thank you, Jesus. Now in your own way. I lift my hands, bow my knee, and worship at your throne. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Right now. Wake up now, children. Wake up. Let's worship.
Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We bless your name tonight, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. God bless you, saints. Turn and shake hands somebody and tell them it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. God bless you. If you feel at liberty to do it, if you don't want to get their germs, that's fine. I understand that too. You can air shake, I guess. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Love you in the Lord so much. Appreciate you with all my heart. Service Sunday. Let's come back expecting the Lord to move. Yes. Amen. You believe God's mindful of us tonight? Yes, yes He is. Brother Darrell, why don't you come, buddy, and pray prayer of dismissal. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for your word that you have spoke to us this evening. Lord, that you're mindful of us, Lord, to reveal to us, Lord, not only just the time, but our time, Lord. And Father, we pray that these words that we heard tonight, Lord, would not just be words, but Lord, may they fall deep into our hearts, dear God, bring forth much fruit. Thank you for your presence that we feel among us, Lord, and what a day it'll be when we all gather around your table, Lord. We long for that time, Lord. But Father, let us press the battle. 
Let us keep the ranks, Lord, to bring forth the word to a dying generation. The Messiah upon the earth, dear God, bringing Jesus Christ to reality to a dying world, Lord, that you're not just some character of a book or a story written long ago, that you've just changed your mask, Lord. You're alive and well among your people, fulfilling that which you said you would do in this hour, Lord. We thank you, Father, as our precious brother has said, Lord, that we can see, dear God, the prophecies of this hour, Lord, being fulfilled. As we said, Lord, that we're not just reading about the visions, Lord. We're, we're living on, Father. Oh, God, may these words bring forth much fruit to your glory. We ask your blessings upon Brother Donnie, Lord. We thank you, dear God, for the opportunity that's been given to us to serve with our brother, Lord. May you strengthen him, dear God. May you renew his strength, Lord, we pray. Father, may you move upon the needs of our people, Lord. Those that long to be here and they're not able to be here, Lord. The afflictions in their body that would hinder them from coming, Lord. May your spirit move upon them. Satan, we rebuke you tonight in the name of Jesus. You're a defeated foe. Oh, God, may you release the people, Lord, that our ranks could feel as we stand shoulder to shoulder on the battlefront. Dear God, go with us now, Lord, as we make our way home. May your traveling grace be upon each one, dear God. Lord, bless the services once again this weekend. Lord, we ask for traveling grace as we travel, Lord. Just give our lives into your hands for your glory. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Father. Thank you don't seem adequate enough, but Lord, it's all I know to say. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for dying for me. Thank you, Lord, for revealing yourself to me. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, saints. May you go in the fear of the Lord. There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you. I could search for all eternity long and find there is none like you. There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search for all